Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. Today, I'm going to tell you guys about the murder of Carla Stefaniak. So pour yourself a strong cup of joe and let's dive in. In November of 2018, Carla Stefaniak, who was an insurance agent from Hallandale Beach, Florida, traveled to Costa Rica to celebrate her 36th birthday with her sister-in-law, April Burton. According to Carla's brother, traveling was her passion and her dream was to travel around the world. Carla also was very active on her social media. And while she was in Costa Rica, she posted photos every day of her having a really great time and enjoying Costa Rica. Why don't we go to Costa Rica to celebrate our birthdays? Can we please? It would be really hot when we went, if we went there on our birthdays, though. Okay, can we go to celebrate Thanksgiving? We can celebrate our half birthdays. Okay, down. Yours is in like 10 days. Yes. On November 27th, Carla dropped off April at the Juan Santa Maria International Airport around 11.30 a.m. April was going to fly back, but Carla decided to stay one extra day so that she could be in Costa Rica on her actual birthday. Why did the sister-in-law need to go back? It was the end of their scheduled trip, so she had to go back for prior obligations. However, Carla was able to take that extra day because she didn't have anything going on. I don't know if I would have it in me personally to stay in another country by myself i don't think you would either because you don't even like going to like a restaurant by yourself i don't like going anywhere by myself which is really ironic for somebody who lives alone (laughs) (laughs) after carla dropped april off at the airport she returned their rental car and got an uber back to a hostel that she had booked called the villa buena vista that was located near the airport her uber driver took her there to change and offered to take her on a tour of the city so we kind of drove her around for the day showed her some sights she did some shopping and he dropped her back off around 4 or 5 p.m at her hostel which was booked through airbnb The driver and Carla had made arrangements for him to come pick her up the next morning around 8.30 a.m. to take her to the airport for her flight. Well, now I'm nervous. Our stories are never good, so I'm just always listening to them, waiting for the part where, like, the other shoe's gonna drop or the bad part's coming, and I just feel like this plan is not gonna work out. Yeah, you'll see. (laughs) You're absolutely right. It is a true crime podcast. (laughs) The Airbnb that she was staying at was inside a gated apartment complex. And within that complex, different people owned different buildings that were rented through Airbnb, which is interesting because I'd never heard of anything like that. So strangely enough, the hotel that I just stayed at when I was in Florida like a month ago, that's how the hotel was. So some of it was owned by like a company, but a lot of the condos in this hotel were all just Airbnb and that's the only thing that they were for. I mean, it makes sense. In a touristy area, it does make perfect sense. Around 6.30 p.m., Carla sent a picture of where she was staying to April and said that she had planned to go to a jazz cafe that night. But she also was messaging some of her friends in a group chat saying that it was storming really bad and that the power went out and that she probably was going to stay in because she was tired. She also made the comment that it was kind of sketchy. The area or the jazz cafe that she was going to go to? 
I think what she meant was the place she was staying because it was storming and the power was out. Okay. Because she never went to the jazz cafe. I didn't know if she, like, guess showed up and then was like, oh, I'm not going to stay. Just before 9 p.m., she had texted another group of her friends to let them know that she was going to go out and ask the security guard for a bottle of water. And after that, nobody hears anything else from Carla. The next morning is Carla's actual birthday and her family and friends aren't hearing anything from her. She hasn't texted them, which is abnormal. She also wasn't responding to any happy birthday messages on social media and hadn't posted anything for her birthday. And everyone who knew her knew that she was very communicative. So they thought it was super weird. Her flight was scheduled for 1.30 p.m., And apparently she had checked in on her phone at some point, but she never showed up for the flight. At this point, her family decides to call the U.S. and the Costa Rican police. Authorities in Costa Rica basically said, you have to wait 48 hours before we can call it a missing persons case. And her family and friends were not having that. And they started putting a bunch of stuff on social media seeing if anybody had heard from her, talked to her, and immediately her family gets the United States authorities involved, and they go down to Costa Rica to see if they can find any evidence or anything that happened to Carla. Her flight was at 1.30. What time did the family involve the police? Right after she did not get on her flight. I assume they called the airport and asked if she had actually got on the plane, and they told them no. I'm glad that the family, like, was as proactive as possible in this situation and didn't just kind of sit back and let authorities handle it. I know that that's typically the recommendation, but in these situations, the first 48 hours are so critical. And the fact that the police in missing persons with adults, they always want to wait 48 hours. It's very conflicting. I agree. You always hear those first two days, 48 hours are so critical. And for it to be like not considered missing persons case until after that time frame is it's just insane to me. Like I get it in some situations, maybe, but it's someone's life. Like, why not at least be proactive? I think it's better to file a report and get people involved and then find them and they're okay, than wait and then they turn up deceased. Yeah, I agree. But I know in a lot of the situations, they're like, well, they're an adult. Maybe they just decided to stay a day longer and they didn't feel like communicating with anybody. Or maybe they just decided they want to go off and start a new life. And technically, because they're an adult, that is their choice. But when there's enough family coming forward saying that they're concerned, friends coming forward, when there's just a little bit of suspicions especially in a whole new country where they were just like she was talking to everybody and then just stopped it just seems strange and like more should be done in the first 48 hours than just sitting back and waiting exactly and her family knew something was up they immediately after talking to law enforcement they call an airbnb they checked the room it had been cleaned and her stuff was not there and the security guard from the night before told them that Carla had been picked up that morning sometime around 5 or 5.30. And it was 9.30 that the cab driver was supposed to pick her up? 8.30. Oh, 8.30. That the Uber driver was supposed to pick her up. So they knew that that likely wasn't what happened. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. 
So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. After checking phone records, they saw that Carla's phone had died around 9 p.m. the night prior, but was also turned on and connected to the internet for a very short amount of time at 12.17 a.m. that night. That's suspicious. Yes, a little weird. And then it turned back off. So the phone that was connected to the internet, were they able to determine what internet server it was connected to? I did not see any reports on it. I am going to go ahead and assume it was the Airbnb's internet, though. Okay, because that would determine where she was at, whether or not she was still there or if she had previously left. The following days, Carla's family set up a Find Carla Facebook. It's still active to this day. And they're trying to just see if anybody has any information on where Carla could be. On December 3rd, police go back to the Airbnb room that Carla stayed in and brought scent dogs in. And the scent dogs signaled that there was some trace of blood in the room. And they said it appeared to have been cleaned with bleach and vinegar. All right. I'm feeling a little suspicious still here. To me, and obviously I know the case, but I think all signs are pointing to something happened to her when she was still on the property. I'm starting to feel suspicious of the security guard who supposedly saw her leave around five o'clock in the morning. Police also contacted the Uber driver who told them that he never picked Carla up in the morning to take her to the airport. He said he showed up and waited for a while, but she never showed up. So he left and his records were able to corroborate that story. Well, there goes one of my suspects that was in my head. I've got two more that I could see being involved. I think one will come forward here in a minute. On December 3rd, the same day that they had checked the room and saw that there were traces of blood, they canvassed the area and found Carla's body on the property about 300 yards from where she was staying. This is not helping with the two suspects that are in my head. She had been found semi-nude, half-buried, and covered in plastic. And like I said, just about 300 yards from where she was staying. They identified her body as Carla's. At first, they were not sure. So there was a time period where the family was waiting to get the identification. The family on the Facebook page has been very vocal in keeping people updated about the case. So you can really read through a play-by-play if you go to that Facebook page. It was determined that Carla had suffered blunt force trauma to her head and had been stabbed seven times in various parts of her body. The knife had broken due to the force that was used and her jaw was dislocated. Police believed that Carla had been killed in her room and there was an attempt at sexual assault, in which point she started fighting back against the killer and that's how it escalated. She ultimately died from a stab wound to her neck. So police immediately start to look at hmm, who's a little fishy in this scenario and had access to where she was staying. So the two people that I've been thinking of throughout this conversation would be whoever it is that owns the Airbnb, because most likely they would have a key to that room. But also that security card that claimed to see her leave around five o'clock in the morning. Right. And police were very interested in finding out anything else about the security guard. What they found out is that his name was Bismarck Espinosa Martinez. He was 32 years old and had just been hired to work as a security guard earlier that year in June. He was from Nicaragua and apparently did not have 
permission or the right documents to be in Costa Rica. When they checked into this, they found out a maid that also worked at the resort. Her name was Carla Gonzalez, and she was friends with Bismarck Martinez's mom. And apparently Bismarck had called his mom and confessed to the crime, which Carla overheard and then confronted Bismarck's mom about it, who confirmed it. With all this evidence, Bismarck Martinez goes to trial for the murder of Carla Stefaniak. He was originally charged with first degree murder and could have received a max of 50 to 60 years in prison. However, in the end, he only got charged with second degree murder, which carries a 12 to 18 year charge and was sentenced to 16 years in prison and fined $53,000 to the family in damages. What? 16 years in prison for brutally murdering someone, attempting to sexually assault, and then they're just like, to make it all better, though, just pay the family $53,000. Is that all that somebody's life is worth? Understandably, the family was very upset. Like I said, they post a lot on the Facebook page, and they talk about how devastated they are, and they're trying to appeal it. They think that he should be in prison for a longer sentence, as I do as well. I don't know how Costa Rica handles most of their crimes, though. I think that's the big issue here is there's a lot of crime in this area. The U.S., I feel like, is pretty moderate on how they handle a lot of crimes. And then there's countries out there who are very, very strict on how they handle their crimes. And then there's countries out there that are super lenient on it. And I kind of feel like maybe Costa Rica was being a little more on the lenient side for whatever reason. Right. So, like I said, they're trying to appeal this. They also filed a lawsuit against Airbnb and the Villa La Mas, which is where she stayed, saying that they were negligent because they didn't do a proper background check on him. Did he have priors? I am not sure if he had any priors in Nicaragua. That was not something they said. However, he was there illegally in Costa Rica. So that in and of itself, you would think would be reason to not employ him in the situation. They also stated in this lawsuit that Airbnb and Villa Lemos should have known of some of the potential danger in his unsupervised access to people in the area. They said that they owed it to their guests to be providing a safe environment and that they failed to do so. Airbnb made a statement saying that they were sad for Carla's family and they appreciate that they're going through a difficult time and they took this listing off their Airbnb page. They're removed from the platform. Which I think is a good step on their part. I don't personally feel like, because Bismarck was employed by the Villa Lamas, right? Not Airbnb? Correct. So Airbnb is not actually liable necessarily for what happened. The Villa Lamas, yes, for not doing their background checks and their due diligence with checking into Bismarck, but I don't see Airbnb being at fault for it, but it is smart of them to take it off of their listing and not to do any more business with them. Absolutely. Apparently, female tourists in particular have been victims of some type of crime when they go visit this area, and it happens often. The family wants some more precautions to be taken. This case is still unraveling. Bismarck was just charged in February of 2020. So the lawsuits and the appeals are still very active. I know I've already mentioned it a couple times, but if you go to the Finding Carla Stefaniak Facebook page, 
The family keeps it very updated for those of you who want to follow along and see what happens. And we'll post a link to the family Facebook page in our sources. And so you can get to that in our podcast notes and you can go check it out or you can just go to Facebook and search it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.